Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have iconic rapper and actor, Ice Cube. We talk about his big three basketball league and maintaining longevity in hip-hop and in Hollywood. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast. Right now, text one of your friends and tell them to check out this episode with Ice Cube. Tell me your favorite guest. Tell me your favorite theme. Tell me your favorite Gone in 60 Seconds. What about Last Call? These are stories. They're books. They're classics. They're albums. Make sure you text somebody. Tell them to download the podcast. Leave a five-star rating. The suits pay attention to stuff like that. I got some more things coming that you guys are going to love. This week's theme is stay in your lanes. As you know, I'm a renaissance man. And this podcast is about being a jack of all trades and a master of as many as you can put your energy into. Having a diverse portfolio of skills and interests make life interesting and fun. But what I mean by staying in your lanes is to stay in what feels true and authentic to you. I hate when people see a young black man over six feet tall and just assume that he plays basketball. Maybe in their heart, he wants to do the debate team or robotics or be in the band. But we got him thinking just because of how he's built, his lane should be athletics. I never wanted to be considered a dumb jock. A lot of us fall into that trap. Doing various things that we think we should be doing because of where we're from or who our parents are. Or, and this is the classic one how we look but our endeavors should reflect who we really are at our core you should have many lanes don't be one-dimensional but make sure to stay in the lanes that are truly meant for you my next guest yay yay knows all about that ice cube is a rapper writer producer director and he's not a businessman he's a business man he's been a member of nwa one third of the west side connection released 10 solo albums and check this one out acted in nearly 40 movies including classics like friday and boys in the hood He's also found time in his schedule to be the founder of the Big Three, a three-on-three basketball league with former NBA and international players whose playoffs and championship game are coming up soon. Up next, Ice Cube. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. You know what it is, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything 
in between. Our next guest is a legend in hip hop, cinema, and business. O'Shea Jackson has been a member of NWA, one third of the West Side Connection, released 10 solo albums, acted in nearly, get this, 40 movies, including classics like Friday, Boys in the Hood, Higher Learning, Players Club, Barbershop, too many to name. He's also the founder of the Big Three. For those that don't know, a three-on-three basketball league of former NBA international players whose playoffs and championship games are right around the corner. It is my honor to welcome an icon, a friend, a legend to the podcast. Please welcome O'Shea Jackson, better known as Ice Cube the Great. Welcome to the show, family. Yeah, yeah, man. I appreciate that, man. That was a great intro. Thank you, family. No doubt about it. And you know I know your story ten toes down because I'm a huge fan. But I'm going to ask questions so our fan base can get more familiar with who you are for those that weren't a part of the entire journey. So initially, I want to start about your first release album with N.W.A. Did you ever think doing that album that your career in the entertainment industry would be as long and diverse as it's managed to be? Oh, no, not at that time. Um, you know, we were, you know, by, by the time we put the record out, we had tried so many different, you know, ways to, to get on, you know, even just in LA, just, you know, just to get recognized in LA. Um, we just got to a point where we was like, let's just be, you know, hood stars. Let's just be neighborhood stars. Forget trying to get LA. You know, the people in our neighborhood is going to love us. Mm-hmm. And once we did that and just did what we felt, it blew up. It like, you know, so we were basically um amazed as everybody else at the success of nwa because at the time it was just against the grain um not too many people was doing hip-hop in that style and were you know were not underground you know artists you know what i'm saying so it just, uh, it was amazing to see that it, it took off that big and and then we was on the ride. You know, it's like being on a, on a roller coaster, a 35 year roller coaster ride um, that hasn't stopped yet. Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mill, when they came with the message, I felt like that was in your face that was the voice of our community. And I felt like they were the first super group. I felt like you guys, Yella, Dre, Ren, Q, Easy, were the second super group. Down to your name with attitudes. So bring me back to that period of time of forming NWA and how you guys continued to get in the studio and start to make your records. Um, you know, I gotta, I gotta, 
you know, Grandmaster Flash definitely was the first um, what I would consider super group. Um, you know, Run DMC too, the Public Enemy. They were they they were uh, just like just like Grandmaster Flash. They 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 changed who you were. You know, they changed your makeup. They they the music was uh, eye opening in so many ways, and so I think NWA is an extension of that. Uh, but from a West Coast perspective, um, as a group, and and the the sessions were competitive. You know, everybody had demos, everybody had records that didn't work, except Easy. You know, his first record worked, and every record. <laughs> Boys in the hood are always hot. Yeah, you know, we had all had our own groups. I was in a group called Stereo Crew that that uh. Later became CIA. Um, we wanted criminals in action, but Lonzo made us call ourselves crew in action. And so, like, we all tried just doing traditional hip hop, and it just didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't that shit. Mm -hmm. And so, we all knew we needed to, to step our game up to even get a record pressed. Uh, you know, it was it was a competition for sure. So many things when I look back at your career that you were either the first, the industry tra tastemaker or the game changer. And one of the things you initially did is you left NWA. Now, we look back at this now and obviously it was great decision based on how your career played out. But just talk about the transition of Ice Cube deciding I'm leaving NWA until the process of doing America's Most Wanted, which is an all-time classic. You know, it, it it was it was not an easy decision, uh, but it was a decision that I knew I had to make if I wanted to have happiness in this business. You know, when you know. When you know it ain't right and you don't do nothing about it, it it'll suck some of the life out of you. That's any situation. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to be that person who I just wasn't raised like that. I'm not built like that to to know that somebody taking advantage of me and I don't do nothing about it. Mm. No matter how, I don't want nothing that bad. Mm. I don't want nothing that bad. You know, I was living for, you know, I, I was living before NWA. I was eating before NWA. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I felt like I'm going to live and eat after NWA. Um, so it, it was a it was a process, you know, thank God. You know, I was with Kim at the time. You know, we we'll start getting serious, me and my wife. And, you know, so she helped me with that decision as well. You know, people around you, some of them tell you, man, just stick it out, man. It's cool, you know, don't worry about it, man. You're making more money than you ever made, blah, 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 blah. But that ain't the point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That ain't, that ain't the point. 
the point is somebody's taking money mm. from the process. So we got to stop that, bring that to everybody's attention. And so leaving was, was uh, it was a relief. Mm. You know, it was a relief because now I can make my own decisions, be my own artist. I didn't always agree with the records that was made with NWA, mm -hmm. you know, something to dance to. I left the studio. Oh, yeah, something to dance to. Yeah, I ain't like that one either. NWA record, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. Me and Ren left. So, but I didn't have no power to stop it. You know, people got to remember, you know, everybody's like, you know, I'm a teenager, you know what I'm saying? Correct. Like, like, we start hanging out at 14, 15, 16, wrote Boys in the Hood at 16 years old, mm. you know, maybe 15. So we're youngsters. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it was it was a process, but I I didn't, I, I left and I didn't really look back. So many classic albums, so many classic movies, so many classic, iconic diss tracks by Ice Cube. In particular, No Vaseline. That to me became the diss record that was like, we taking off the gloves and we fist fighting from here on up. And I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Death Certificate came out. And then we was listening to the album, and then they was like, oh, your man ain't going to even diss NWA. Oh, what's up with that? Da, 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 da. And then No Vaseline came in. And it's an iconic diss song for the history of music. How, when composing that song, did you decide that I'm not going to let it eat? I'm not going to let it ride. I'm gonna go hard on this one. The gloves are gonna be off. Um, I didn't know that you, when you're doing the disc record, that you did it any other kind of way. You know? <laughs> 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 see how you can play with anybody with <laughs> You know, it's kind of like you start a fight like, I'm going to go up here and jab this dude in the face and see what he do. It's like, nah. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to, you know, you got to give him everything you got if you're going to take that punch because it could be, the first punch could be 1% of the fight or it could be 100% of the fight <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you land it right. You one shot, I mean? one kill. So you can't play. And so... I felt like, oh, they dissing, and it's 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 three on one, four on one. You know, you gotta you can't come in playing. You know, you gotta try to you gotta try to you know throw some one hit of quitters and lay everybody down. <laughs> so that was my mentality, and I was just mad that they was they was just you know going on and on with it, like they didn't let it die with. 100 miles of running, they said what they said. Jacket for beats, I said what I said. Uh, and I would have let it go from there, but I was just mad that they was dissing. And I was like, oh, okay. 
So I wanted to get everybody. Mm. Mm. So you guys came to Detroit. We got on the Finkel bus to go to Joe Louis Arena to watch NWA. You guys were warned by our local law enforcement not to say, not to rhyme the song, the police. And a lot of people don't know this. I know this because I was there. I saw the police lined up on the side of the stage. We was, I was there. And initially we thought it was a gunshot that yes. made everybody scatter. But then later we found out it was a firecracker. So just talk about the evolution of that record, you being the face of that song and that movement about police brutality and our treatment of law enforcement through now seeing cases like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor take place. I mean, they've been, they've been going on forever. That's why you got a song like The Police. Uh, and I mean, we thought it was, we definitely thought it was gunshots because, you know, we had got warned so many times and we, we defied it a few times. You know, that wasn't the first time Oh, police had rushed us. They rushed oh. us in Cincinnati too. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize that. Yeah. And I got away. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I, I hit the door and fans were driving by and they saw me and they let me in their car. First, they drove me across the bridge to Kentucky. <laughs> And I was like, I said, take me back. I said, I ain't a fugitive and shit. Take me back. Take me to the hotel. And then they drove me to the hotel. But we was, you know, used to when the when the police hit the stage, we just scattered so they don't grab us. And, you know, they was writing tickets. We had to go to a couple of places and fight the case. And, you know, they had all kind of ordinances on the books about profanity and lewd acts on stage and shit. Mm. We weren't doing nothing but, 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 but cussing, you know, doing our records. Um, wasn't no lewd acts. So uh, by the time we hit Detroit, you know, we, we kind of knew the drill. And then when we, when we heard what we thought was gunshots, we thought, damn, they, they like going, they're going to just smoke us right on stage. Like mm. they taking it way too far. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was our reaction. It was a crazy night. Uh, Cause at the end of the night, those same police and shit, they asked for autographs for the- No, autographs. no, no. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yep, they turned out- we were scattering, running, everything, and they ended up meeting with y'all and asking for autographs and stuff. I said, y'all started a riot, man, for that. Right. I mean, y'all know y'all can't come to Detroit and sing Fuck the Police. Y'all know we weren't going to let that happen. Like, I see. Wow. Turned out the whole concert. Yeah. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. And thank you for telling me that story. I didn't realize that, but I want to make sure I ask you about your Hollywood career for a second. As I mentioned, you know, you starred in over 40 movies, Boys in the Hood, the Friday franchise, the Barbership franchise, and I'm so very grateful I was able to appear as a cameo in the Barbershop movie. 
But let's talk about Boys in the Hood because that's your first of your many movies. And a lot of legends have grown for that movie. Obviously, the late, great John Singleton, Lawrence Fishburne, Angela Bassett, Regina King. What were the initials like, initial talks with John like as he started, asked you to star in the film? And how did you prepare? He, um, you know, he was just adamant about the group NWA, uh, the kind of music that we were doing. Um, and, you know, his, his whole thing was like the film version of what y'all doing ain't, ain't, you know, nobody showing that, you know, they got, you know, the, the East coast versions of what this is, you know, but, but, but nobody's done the, you know, our version, like our do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So um, he just kept saying, man, you dope boy, you dope boy, man. I could see it. I could see it. And me, I'm not, I'm listening because I'm very interested. You know, John is an interesting cat, but I'm thinking he's going to hire somebody else. You know what I mean? He's going to go get, uh, shit, I don't know at the time, you know, whatever actor that was popping. You know what I'm saying? He, he, you know, I don't know who who he gonna get, but he probably gonna go get somebody else. Uh, but he was adamant that no, nah, it's you, it's you, it's you. Mm-hmm. And so he believed in me before I did because I thought you had to to be a you know a trained actor and stuff. You know, I'm like, by the time this movie come out, you gonna you gonna hire Ty Bridges or somebody. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get a <laughs> you're gonna get a real actor, man. You're gonna forget right. about and but he never did. And um, um how I prepared was we did a lot of uh ad-lib work. He would get all the actors together and we would just make up, he would make up scenarios and, and put us in it. <clears throat> and and I got the rhythm on, you know, working with Lawrence Fishburne, working with Cuba Gooden Jr. Um just got the rhythm of what we were doing. And I'm like, well, okay, I can, I can definitely do this. Um, but ad-libbing, you're making up your own words, you're making up your own flavor, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so getting the script and doing the first scenes, you know what I mean? I was like, damn, I hope I get this right. And uh, he kept, he kept encouraging me. He just kept saying, look, I'll tell you when I don't like it. If I don't, if I don't tell you I don't like it, that means I do like it. So mm-hmm. don't worry about that part. Just be Doughboy. And then Lawrence Fishburne gave me the best advice. He said, "Cube, do you know who Doughboy is? Do you know Doughboy? Do you know who he is?" I said, "Yeah, I know who he is." He said, "Be that. Mm. Be who he is." Mm. And so all these helped me you know, do a good job in the role. You're a terrific writer, actor, and a lot of the projects that you've not only contributed to have become iconic. So for you, even a franchise like Friday, you write Friday, it's a classic. You do a couple of follow-ups to the movie. 
Talk about how like that's influenced your life and your career when people come up to you, the comedians, the fans, the media, and they're still referencing your projects that you've done over the decades. Um, and it's great. Um, you know, I love comedians. You know, growing up, most of my friends were funny as hell. Uh, <laughs> Uh, shout out to Kevin Alexander. Kevin Alexander. He was one of my funniest friends growing up. Uh, Randy Greenfield, funny. Ronnie Smith, you know, it's like, so I, I you know, I, I love hanging out with dudes like that, making me laugh. So to be able to do a movie with all these cool comedians, and to put them in a position where, you know, um, they love to work. It makes them laugh. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like mm -hmm. to do something that, that make your favorite comedian laugh <laughs> is, is like, is, 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 it's just, it, you know, it just hits you in one of them spots, man. It's hard to explain. But, you know, comedians give you so much joy laugh you know they make you laugh they make you laugh so if you can make them laugh then it's like your gift giving back and so you know I feel I feel that's some of my greatest accomplishments is to mm -hmm. to do work that make uh people laugh um and have a good time and they can watch it over and over again and never get old um that's what we set out to do. Me, DJ Pooh, F. Gary mm -hmm. Gray. Mm -hmm. We set out to make a movie that was a, a, a hood classic that you can enjoy over and over again, like we enjoy Car Wash, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Claudine. Uh, Uptown uh, Saturday Night. Hey, uh, Let's Do It Again. You know, these, these are movies that Cooley High, we could just watch over and over again growing up. And so we wanted to make sure we had a couple that we was in the movie game, you know? You're also the founder of the Big Three, successful three-on-three -three basketball league, made up of former professional athletes. Now, I'm too lazy. I don't consistently want to stay in shape. I just want to have beverages and do medicinal and commentate. Yeah. Or I would have tried to participate. Now, y'all got the championship game on September 4th. Yeah. Right? Congratulations on uh, starting and continuing to have a successful league. Where did the idea come from? And tell me about who's in the playoffs. And this last question might get you in trouble. And who's your MVP pick? Wow. Um, well, they still fighting for the playoff position, so. We can go back to that, but it uh, it started out just being a fan of the game, you know, knowing that the summer is usually boring and we needed a league to fill in that slot. Uh, three on three has always been there. You know, it's, it's always been under the surface. You know, most of us who are not pros play more three on three than five on five. So mm -hmm. elevating it to the professional level was, you know, to me, um, filling a void, you know what I'm saying? Um, and see, they're not former players. You are a former player. Correct. 
Well you said. I'm washed. Yeah, I'm washed. <laughs> these, these dudes still, they still got a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> they still got a lot to prove, and they still got game. And um, and that's who we want. You know what I mean? We want we want guys who still want to show the world what they can do on the basketball court. Uh, we welcome. Uh, you know, you can come sit by me, man. You know, come sit Done. next to me. Done. And, uh, and enjoy the, the competition. I think it's, 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 it's the game like we remember. You know, mm -hmm. physical. Mm -hmm. The paint ain't nothing nice in the mm -hmm. big three. If you come in the paint, be careful. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's growing. So we got, our, we got our championship and our playoffs in the Bahamas. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Bahamas. So we got we got five teams fighting for for uh for four spots right now. So this week, Saturday's games are gonna be pretty critical. And um uh, MVP, man, I don't know. You know, Joe Johnson is the man. He, uh, I saw Joe might go back to back with this one unless somebody, you know, have a 40 point game, you know. <laughs> Might might have a forty point game and knock you but uh, but I think he's gonna do it. Well, I appreciate you joining me, Ice Cube, the Great, the Dom Mega. But before I let you get out of here, I have a rapid fire segment called "Gone in Sixty Seconds." You ready to do this? Let's do it. Should the NBA follow the Big Three and implement a four point shot? No. I think the NBA is fine the way it is. Leave the big three alone. <laughs> Another four-point shot is ours. Besides yourself, who's the single greatest rapper from the West Coast? Oh man, besides myself, the singers, single greatest rapper. Well, you rapper. my answer. You my answer, so I had to say that. Yeah, you know what man. I mean? You're my answer. All right. Um Pass. <laughs> All right, name a couple. Name a couple of your favorite. Who inspired you? Know, you, got you? Pass, you got the game. You got mm -hmm. uh, you got Kendrick. Um, man, you know uh, Snoop. Yeah, Snoop. Oh yeah, Snoop a great rapper. Lord, see. <laughs> he like, oh yeah, I heard of that guy. Matter of fact, I'm in a group with him right now. <laughs> he got. The E40, too short. Damn, man, there's so many. What biopic do you want to do or who do you want to play? I would love a biopic on uh, George Clinton. What classic 90s movie needs to be rebooted? Wow. Uh, Players Club. There you go. There you go. Dollar Bill, rest in peace. Bernie Mac. Bernie you know, Mac. Last but not least, before I let you get out of here, thank you so very much for being gracious with your time. And again, everybody, the playoffs start for the Big Three next week. And the championship game is in the Bahamas, September 4th. Don't be surprised if you see me posted with my shirt off, with my toes out, because Hold on. I want to go enjoy the championship game. Hold on. Keep that shirt on, man. Keep <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta give you a gym a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure you. Now. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring some chucks for you, man. Make sure you got some. 
No doubt. And last but not least, no Vaseline for me and many is the greatest diss track of all time. But in your opinion, what's the second greatest diss track? Damn. Ooh. I mean, I don't know, man. You know, when you first, you never look behind you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't look in that rear view mirror, man. I don't know. I don't know, man. I can't, you know, you got me on that one. You do have the best one. And I was trying to guess what you might say. And for some reason, I thought you might mention the Tupac hit him up. Tupac hit him up is a, that's a good one. But I mean, he had other people on there. Good you point. Know. You did your solo. You saw a comment. Solo. That's why you went solo. Solo against the whole crew and the manager. Y'all saw us in the video in 1994. Ice Cube the Great saw it coming and he went solo. I love you, my brother. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm trying to get to the Bahamas, but either way, man, keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate it, man. You know, always good to see you doing your thing. You always keep it a thou thou, so appreciate it. Last call, last call. And this ain't political but get vaccinated. That's right, I said it. It ain't personal, it ain't racial, it ain't radical. Get vaccinated. If you think it's gonna help you live, be safer. And those around you, that's something that I would not only consider, but I did it. I'd also like to thank Ice Cube for stopping by the podcast. It was crazy hearing him casually name drop some of the legends he's worked with and a hard reminder of how some of these iconic entertainers are no longer with us. Bernie Mac, John Witherspoon, Easy E, rest in peace. That's what this show is all about. Cherishing the people who inspire us and giving them their flowers while they're still here to smell them. I once heard State Property rap this line and it stuck with me forever. It goes, people will bring flowers to your funeral, but no soup when you're sick. Cherish the superstars in your life while they're still here. This goes beyond celebrities. Tell your parents you love them. Give your sister a call. Get in touch with a mentor who inspired you. Use your time here to spread love and gratitude. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.